Yeah, it's sports talk from the three bros. Something you can bet on like Pete Rose. And you better not miss it like some free throws. Giving taste is more accurate than Drew Brees throws. And it might get explosive like some C4. We just giving you a look inside the peephole. So if you got a weak take, you better keep those. And get your cheeks swole when you step into the ring with the Amiibos. Yes, sir. We are back. Another week, another episode of the Me Bros Podcast. I'm one third of the trio better known as the Me Bros. Your host here, D Mark, with my brothers, Jeremy 85. Jeremy, what's popping, fellas? How we feeling? Oh, yeah. The macho man's about to go to Hilton Head. Give you boys that work. I got my driver in the bag. Got my Pro V1s. You boys are going to get worked. Man, really? Yeah. Macho man, Randy Savage. I love it. I love it. Just so the, shout out to everybody tuning us, tuning into us for another week. Uh, just to preface, you know what Jared's talking about. We're going down uh, the Hilton Head this weekend. A lot of uh, trash talk has started already, and obviously Jared's a little excited. Um, he's definitely going to be deflated this time next week when we uh, give you guys the results. But um, that's neither here nor there. But Jared, you feeling all right, man? You good? Oh man, I'm feeling good right now. I'm about to snap into a Slim Jim. Uh, it's it's right now, man. I'm 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 stoked. Maybe it's the Mountain Dew. Maybe it's the fact that I just left the simulator and then just cleaned my clubs and got them all um, polished and shiny. But uh, you okay. boys, boys, feeling good right now. All right, that's what's up, man. Jeremy, how you feeling over there, man? What's popping in Charlotte? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I don't leave the house. Um, uh, but uh, <laughs> I am definitely looking forward to. Get down and cut y'all boys on this golf course, man. This is kind of what's gonna happen. I'm uh, I might as well be Jay Monahan, um, because I am the commissioner of this tour. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, we definitely got an exciting weekend. I'm definitely gonna try try to get some footage of uh, our golf uh, our, our golf trip and show you guys kind of exactly what happens. And um, just so you guys know, I'm bringing out. I'm bringing my uh, my old phone. And charging, charging it just so I can use it strictly for taking videos. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Uh, well, let's talk some sports tonight, fellas. Um, we got a lot to talk about, a lot going on in, in the NBA, a lot of movement in the NFL as well. Um, let's talk about, Jared, your Lakers. AD um, suffered a pretty significant calf injury. Um, let's talk about this title run and kind of where we see the NBA playing out right now. Um, let's start with Jeremy on this, man. What's going on with uh, your boy AD, and how do you think it's going to affect the title run for the Lakers? Um, I am a little concerned. If I would be concerned if I was a Lakers fan, because overall you're seeing a nagging injury that's really carried over from last season. I know last season seems like it was just yesterday because it kind of was, but this is basically the same injury he was struggling with towards the end of that Nugget series through that series with Miami, um, and he's carried into the season. And it's kind of sounding, um, I'm not going to say reminiscent of, of KD's, because I feel like KD kind of pushed it when he shouldn't have. But overall, I think, um, you know, that Achilles strain going to a calf strain and, and you know, secrecy, hey, he says he felt fine, and then all of a sudden he's got pain. I, I would be concerned, and we all know that if the Lakers don't have Anthony Davis, they have absolutely no chance of winning the title. So, um, I I was think I think the concern level should be very very high. Ultimately, um, they're going to run into a point in the schedule to where they're going to um, really struggle if they don't have AD back because uh, you know you're not beating the Nuggets, you're not beating 
you know, Utah. It's a lot of a lot of the top teams in the league um, that I don't think they're going to be able to beat if they don't have, you know, a, a secondary star. So ultimately, I think Kyle Kuzma is going to end up being the taking on the second half of the weight, and uh, he's you know he's playing pretty well. But um, I think definitely no no AD, they got no chance coming out the West. Well, I would say I I agree with you somewhat. I think um, the reality is this. If if AD is out a significant period of time, Kendrick Perkins said that he spoke to Rich Paul, and Rich Paul basically said AD is not rushing back for anybody's timetable. His health is is um, obviously the most important thing, and I agree with that. But from what he said was if, if it's two to three weeks before the playoffs before K, if for AD comes back, then that's what it will be. Um, and I think that's the right approach. At the end of the day, Lakers have the best road record in the league. Um, if they had to go on the road and play somebody in the, in the playoffs, I, especially right now, I don't expect by, you know, maybe J- July there's some more fans in there, but I, do I expect it to be full packed arenas? No. And if it is, I still don't think that's necessarily a, um, you know, a death sentence for, for the team. If you're the defending champions, Jerry, so, the biggest thing I would throw out about that would be more of altitude from, um, Denver and, and Utah maybe could, could play a factor. But other than that, I can't see it. And, 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 and to be honest, I really don't. I'm not concerned about really any of those teams. I really am not. I think um, is Utah good? Yes, but like there's a difference between being a very good regular season team who's hitting a, a ton of threes. The difference between them and the Atlanta Hawks is obviously Donovan Mitchell is significantly better than whoever you know at that time it was Jeff Teague and a few other guys, but. The reality is this. I still don't think they have a, a legitimate chance of matching up versus the Lakers if the Lakers are fully healthy. Um, they'd have to shoot, I mean, 45% threes for the series, you know, in their four wins, in my opinion. Here's the other thing. I think the Lakers will be fine without AD for the regular season. I don't. I think they can win their majority of their games. Uh, AD's missed 15 games since he's been with the Lakers. Lakers are 11-4. and four. Um, They're 5-1 and one this year in the games he's missed. Um, I think the reality is this, we have, uh, some pickups that I think we possibly can make that would be ideal. Um, Blake Griffin right now is, is, you know, in the process of possibly being bought out. If Blake Griffin was to sign with the Lakers to, to fill that void, I think it'd be an excellent pickup. Um, obviously he can shoot threes. He can play a similar role to what AD does. Obviously he's not the player of AD, but still, I mean, it would be a, a great way for him to finish off, um, you know, sign a one-year uh, contract, be able to increase his value potentially in a playoff run. Um, I, I think, you know, that would be ideal. Um, and I think at the end of the day, I think the Lakers are going to be fine. I think the, the most important thing is just making sure that by the end of the season, uh, AD is completely healthy, and, and that's really the most important thing. Jared, just so you know um... – I think Blake Griffin's going to get picked up by somebody who's going to have some money, uh, more money than you guys have available. But just for the season, I didn't realize how bad he'd been this season. Blake Griffin is playing 31.3 minutes per game. He's averaging 12.2 points on 36.5% field goals, 31.5% threes. So He's probably I mean, ready to get out of Detroit. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. I don't think Blake Griffin. LA, LA dude, I mean. Yeah, Blake Griffin, who still has his house in L.A. and lived in L.A., 
I think at but, the yeah, end, I think, of the, he's from Oklahoma and went to Oklahoma, so it's not like he's used not used to being in. But but here's the thing, though. I, I may be from Chira, but like once I live in L.A., then I'm from L.A. Like that's L.A. owns like wherever you whenever you go to a place like that. Like here's the thing about Blake. Do I think Blake is trying to get paid? Sure, but Blake signed a two hundred five million dollar contract after his rookie deal, so even this year he's making. I think it's 35 mil somewhere around there. So if he gets bought out at, you know, 28, which is like that number is not probably going to be lower than that. Still, if you tell me if I'm Blake Griffin, hey, I can sign a vet- veteran's minimum deal to possibly win a championship and then rehit the market. If he was able to win a championship with, with the Lakers, I mean, he, he would restore a lot of the value like Rondo did um, for winning a championship if he was able to play well. So I think, um, uh, I'm not sure he'd, he'd do it, but I think it would be a, a a legitimate possibility of him taking that chance if he's bought out. Now, if he's traded, that's another story. All right, fellas, so let's stay in the NBA. Uh, recently, the uh, NBA All-Star lineups came out. Um, I must say, man, this is probably the most intriguing uh, All-Star lineups I've seen in a, in a few few years, man. So uh, let's talk about it. Um who do you guys see winning uh, East versus West? You know, I, I saw that Dame kind of got snubbed, but uh, like I said, man, it's going to be a great game. Let's start with you, Jerry. Who do you see uh, taking this game uh, when the All-Star comes to Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, Dame got snubbed initially. Uh, he's starting now because AD's out. Um, I think the West are going to win pretty handily, to be honest. The West is deeper. Um, the West, I think, starting lineup-wise, has four of the top five players, and you could argue maybe five of the top five. Um, I would have Embiid at number as, as the best center in that matchup versus Jokic, but I mean that's a toss up. Jokic is is fully capable about playing Embiid. It kind of depends on the night, um, but obviously I, I got Steph over Kyrie. I got um, Dame Lillard over Bill. I got LeBron obviously over KD, and I got at the power four position Kawhi over Giannis. So I think when you're you're looking at the matchup. Um, I don't really see now when you're done with this this you amount of time. Move it around though, because I would assume that Kawhi is the small forward and LeBron is the power forward. But <laughs> I agree, I agree. Um, even though Giannis is, and I guess if you're looking at it that way, I'm not sure if Giannis would be the power forward or would be KD. If you either way, I think from a matchup standpoint, I think. Um, the East, they have probably more flashier scores, but um, outside of Giannis, uh, uh, Embiid's a good defender. I'll give him that. And KD's not a bad defender. Um, and I guess it's the same way on the West. I, I just think I think when you look at it, the, the West has everything. One, shooting-wise, are, are there two more dangerous snipers than Steph Curry and Dame Lillard on the same time? Um, Kyrie uh, way more more dangerous than happening than Damian Lillard. But continue. Uh, I, I I would very very much so disagree. I think Kyrie may be a better a, a better regular three point shooter, but Kyrie doesn't have the range that, that Damian Lillard has. Um, yeah. Damian Lillard consistently is hitting from from the logo. Um, but I think the reality is so they're going to space the floor. I think LeBron is going to facilitate and make sure everybody gets open shots. I think Kawhi is going to be able to have mid-range elbow jumpers. And I think Jokic can either shoot a three or post up and get to the basket. Um, I think the, the you know, 
we were we were discussing this earlier, and you guys, you know, when I said I was a LeBron over KD, and you guys, you know, I, I, I would like for, I'd love for you guys to elaborate on how. I mean, I, for the life of me, I wouldn't understand how anybody would take any player at this point in time over LeBron. I don't I don't think that's a, a even a debate, but maybe that's something you guys want to get into. Jimmy, I'll let you first. But I'll be 100% honest. As good as LeBron is, I still look at it and say, I saw him lose twice in, in the finals of KD. I felt like he got outplayed by KD in those finals, uh, even though he LeBron didn't have as much talent on his team. And Kevin Durant missed, missed a season. And now, because LeBron won the season he was out while playing with Anthony Davis and not playing against a single champion on the way to a title, now all of a sudden we're supposed to say, okay, that means it's LeBron's league now? No, I don't I don't agree with that. So I'll look at it and say, you could argue this stuff's better than Kyrie. But every time they play against each other, it looks like Kyrie's a better player on the floor when they play against each other to me. Um, Jim, answer this question for me, though. This this whole KD, uh, oh, he, he beat him twice. In, in reality, if if we're f- – the, the the reality is this. If you you two both feel like you have to team up to beat me, then I can't say that. That's a, that's a LeBron fan narrative. No, it's not. Nobody said LeBron joined Dwayne Wade to beat Kobe. Nobody came up with that. No, no, but, but because you're, but because here's the difference. Why, why was KD going to play with Golden State to beat LeBron? Because KD had a team that was a roster that was filled with MVPs and All Stars, and then he went to a 73 win team after Draymond Green in the parking lot called him and said, "We we want you to come here." That's not yeah. that's not conjecture. That yeah, happened. Dude, but but at the end of the day, what does that have to do with KD? First off, he didn't leave a team with with. All stars and MVPs. Love team with Russell Westbrook, who everybody knows nobody can win with. It was Russell Westbrook, Victor Oladipo, and a Jerry, very solid. Roster. He didn't play with Victor Oladipo. He didn't play with Victor Oladipo because he had he had Serge Ibaka, and Serge Ibaka was traded for Victor Oladipo right before the draft, before KD decided to leave. So what I'm telling you is, like, if you're looking at the rosters KD had, KD had a roster that had Westbrook, Harden. Uh, Reggie Jackson. I mean, he 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 had one of the great GMs in the NBA. These are all great, great, great questions. But let's bring it back into this All Star game. I'm just but so so yeah. That's the All Star. I'm just saying. Like I think when we say like the the whole problem that KD had a couple years ago was he said they said he wasn't as excited winning a championship with Golden State because he thought that by winning the championship and beating LeBron, the people would think that he was a better player than LeBron. You're never gonna be better than LeBron. Like literally, literally, and and not in real life, but just to the media. I mean, the, the in real ESPN, life will never be better than LeBron. ESPN is about to be changing name to ESPNL because it's literally about LeBron. Every like you can't turn on ESPN without seeing LeBron. I mean, literally, I think the only reason why Kendrick Perkins has a job on ESPN is so that they can ask him questions about LeBron and he can elaborate about how LeBron's the greatest. Everything he just got done talking about how. It's LeBron, just LeBron and Brady, though. That's what. That's the um, thing. When you're the goat, you get talked about a lot. Yeah, but if you're the goat, you don't have a losing record in the finals. So overall, I disagree. I, I'm looking at this this matchup and saying Bradley Beal's unstoppable. I know. I know Steph can't play defense. I know Damian Lillard can't play defense. I know Jokic can't play defense. I know Kawhi is uh, getting like Kawhi can obviously can defend. Giannis, but Kawhi's not nearly the defender he used to be. And I know LeBron can't guard KD. So from a defensive standpoint, 
I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the uh, the edge to to the East. Now I think overall when you start to get into the into the um, into the benches, I'm sure guys like I don't know um, what's your boy's name from from the Hawks. I can't I can't even think of his name. Um, Trey, yeah, Trey Young and guys like that are gonna be there, and they're not gonna be as deep as the the West. So I think the West probably win. But from a starting lineup standpoint, when it comes down to the end of the game, um, I'm trusting the ball to be in. The the East hands is not the West. No, there's not there's not a person I trust more to shoot the shot at the end of the game than, than Dame Lillard. It's just not. Okay. I mean Dame I, Dame I Lillard. Agree with that. I mean Dame yeah. Lillard. His hit his hit was it three game winners in the last two weeks. He hit one last night versus versus the uh, the Pelicans. He hit one versus the Bulls. Where he, game it's it, it was a tie game with 26 seconds to go, and he got an and one. But then we came back and took the lead, and then they got the lead again on no, a. Um, he got the lead. It was a tie game. The the the, the last basket scored. They, you, know, you, you guys had the lead up, so you guys were up one. He got a layup and an and one to go up two with twenty six seconds to go. That was the last point score. I don't th- was it? I don't think yep. so. It was. It was the blow by layup. You said he had. He didn't have any help defense on Laza. Maybe so. I mean, I still to me, I I, I give it to like Dame. Dame's good, but um, we we can talk about last second shot. I mean, I'm gonna go with the guy who's made him in the in the finals and not the guy who made him in um in a regular season game. But yeah, ultimately, I think it's gonna be exciting. Definitely looking forward to watching it. Um, I kind of have mixed feelings. I feel like um I I want you know my boys from the Pelicans, Bi and uh, Zion to get in, but honestly. It might not be best for the team. I, like, you know, these guys have been playing a lot of games and having a all-star break during COVID, um, traveling out there and then having to come back and probably play back-to-backs again is probably not going to be great for the players. So um, I don't think it was a good idea to have an all-star game to begin with. So if they don't make it, I'll be cool with them uh, getting some rest and coming back and making a push to, you know, win the championship this year. Jeremy Zion is going to be in the All Star game. Zion is probably Zion is going to be in the All Star game. First off, he deserves to, but t- secondly, yeah. Zion's probably the second or third most marketable player in the NBA. Like literally, they added a play in tournament last year, so Zion had a chance of making the playoffs. Like Zion will be in the All Star game. I don't think that's the reason why they added it. I think I think it, they. I mean, they kind of had to. I think they they had to, but when they they set the number, basically. And they accept the cutoff of all right. How do the Pelicans get in? Boom! Like I, well, I, we were we were three games up on on um, the Suns, and they still gave the Suns a chance. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think the reality is this: you got Zion is going to be. I mean, box office. So, can you imagine a lineup with with Zion and LeBron on on the floor? I mean, just everybody just clear the paint. You're getting dunked on. All right, fellas, let's uh let's switch to some NFL. That that All Star game is going to be dope, man. I'm looking forward to it. Like like you said, like you guys said, Zion's definitely going to be playing in it. Uh, he's probably going to dominate. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but uh, let's talk about some NFL. Y'all's boy Carson Wentz got shipped off to the Colts. Um, who won in this trade? Let's start. Let's start with you, Jimmy. Um. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, the Colts won this trade. I think ultimately we're going to look at look we're going to look back at this and say, "Hey, 
Carson Wentz is a solid quarterback who had one bad season. Now, do I think Carson Wentz is ever going to be um, a superstar? No, I don't. Um, do I think he's going to be a serviceable starter? Yes. And I think that's where you kind of have to get to um, in order to make it work. So I think ultimately um, he's going to be uh, a playoff quarterback next year. I think they'll probably make a run because I think he's on a talent standpoint. And with Frank Wright, I think he's going to be better than Phillip Rivers was. Um, so I think they're probably going to win that division next year. And um, and he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. I don't think he's ever going to be um, any kind of superstar. But I think uh, maybe Kirk Cousins' level somewhere around there is probably where he's going to level out. And, uh, I mean, he's got all the attributes. So um, if, the, if the Saints would have traded for him, I wouldn't have loved it, but I wouldn't have minded it, um, mainly just because we got Jameis. And I think Jameis is probably just as good, if not better. But um, ultimately, I think they will end up in a better position because I'm looking back at the Eagles and saying, what are they going to do? I don't, I'm not sold to Jalen um, hurts. hurts is the guy of the future. I, I hope he is, um, but I'm not sold on it. And sort of, if, if you're not, are you going to go draft a quarterback now? Like I, I know Jalen's going to be running for his life. If he is the quarterback, cause their offensive line is terrible and they don't have any wide receivers. So um, I don't their know. Offensive line isn't terrible. Though. Their <laughs> offensive line was injured this year. Um, Andre Dillard was their first round pick a couple years ago. He he missed the season. Lane Johnson missed most of the season. Um, they they were they were they had I think one of their main their guards missed the season. So next year their offensive line should probably be a strength when they're when they're healthy. Uh yeah, but I mean at a certain point when your offensive line has been you know decimated with injuries the last couple of seasons, um, like I got to see it. Like Andre Diller was, I mean he's missed the last two seasons. I'm I'm not. Um, necessarily sure he's going to come back and, and, and be dominant next year because, I mean, he, he he got drafted in 19. So um, that's one that you hope pans out. You look, look at uh, Lane Johnson who's getting up there. I think Jason Kelsey just retired, right? He hasn't retired, but um, there's hinting, there was hints that he might retire. So um, here, here's the thing, though. I think Carson is going to have multiple Pro Bowl seasons, and I think he's going to be great this year. And I was the first one on here to tell you that he was playing terrible. Here's why I think it's going to work. He's going to the perfect situation. Like, this, this is what I hope for for Deshaun when he leaves, is that he falls into a place like this. He goes to his former quarterback coach, Frank Reich, who's one of the best offensive minds in football. This Frank Reich was his, his quarterback coach and offensive coordinator when he had his MVP caliber season a few years ago. Um, then you throw in the fact that their offensive line is top five in the NFL. They have one of the best running back cores or running back groups in the NFL with Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack coming back this year. Jonathan Taylor at the end of the season played extremely well. And Marlon Mack obviously is a, uh, you know, he, I think he tore his Achilles early in the year, but, Obviously, a high-quality starting back. You got young receivers who are playing pretty well. You got uh, my guy Michael Pittman from Southern Cal, who, who was a rookie last year but popped. You got T.Y. Hilton, who's still, you know, he's not necessarily in his prime, but he's still a solid receiver. Zach Paschal. Paris Campbell is one of the fastest receivers in the NFL out of Ohio State who's out for the season. So they have a good receiving core. They have three quality tight ends. They got Mo Cox, who was a uh, basketball player at VCU. They got uh, t- the uh, – I'm, I'm trying to go through them, through my head, all, all the, the three tight ends. They have Doyle, Jack Doyle, and then they had um, 
can't remember the other one um, that they had. And I'm sure if, if football season was still going on, I'd know. But they have everything you want as a quarterback. Protection, run game, elite defense, high-quality uh, coordinators. So I expect them to be really good. I expect Carson Wentz to develop. And here's the problem. When you make a trade like this in your Philly, there's, there, it's a lose-lose. Because here's why it's a lose-lose. Either Carson Wentz plays extremely well, and now you realize, man, we, we let a really talented quarterback go. We messed this up. Or he but plays poorly. Right. Or he plays poorly, and you know what happens then? You don't get that first-round pick. It still stays a second-round pick. So I think at the end of the day – I view, um, I view that a little different, Jared, because I view it this way. If he plays poorly, that means you did a really good job of getting some picks off of getting a terrible player off your roster with a whole bunch of cap with a huge cap hit. But even if he, even if that's the case, you got picks, but you had to pay 30, 33 million in cap uh hits this year. So I I, I think it's which you really and I'm not saying this is the the case, I think there's some, obviously there's, there's some value from Carson Wentz. And I think obviously from a talent perspective, he's, he's really valuable, but I think it's almost the Brock Osweiler trade. Many people forget one of the things that, that hurt the Texans was they had signed Brock Osweiler to that terrible contract. And when they drafted Deshaun, they just wanted to get rid of Brock and the contract. So they traded a second round pick to the Browns just for the Browns to take his contract off their books. Uh, and a similar what 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 the Rams did with Jared Goff, even though obviously Jared Goff is significantly better than than Brock Osweiler. So when you have to pay that much, it's I mean it's a high price um, with your salary cap to, to to you know just get rid of that contract. Yeah, man, it's um, definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with Carson Wentz. I think he has some good football left in him. Uh, maybe you know a change of scenery will, will be what he needs. So. Um, let's, let's keep it moving, fellas. Uh, Serena, Naomi Osaka last night, man. Um, Naomi was just a little bit too much for Serena, man. I was definitely rooting for Serena. It's one of those matches where you really don't want to like root too hard for one person, but cause I like both of those, uh, those young ladies, but, uh, it was pretty much, uh, uh, taken to the back backyard, man. Three and four. Let's talk about it, man. Is Serena going to be able to get it done with Osaka in a draw? Um, I think she can. I think she's gonna definitely have to not be on a on a on a court like the Australian Open. I was reading a report that uh, that the players were saying that the court was as fast as the fastest Grand Slam court that they've ever played on, um, and that's that's definitely gonna um, help a help a person like Naomi Osaka that that hits so clean and hits so flat. So, um, let's start with you, Jared. What do you think about this matchup, and what do you think about Serena's future as far as trying to? Uh, Trying to catch up with uh, what's the who, who's the lady Margaret the Court. Margaret, Margaret Court. Court. I'm sorry, as a yeah. as a tennis player, I should know that. But yeah, Martha Mar- Margaret Court. Yeah, so she has one major to get to Margaret, um, and she's going to be able to get it there, man. Here's the thing: I think she can. Uh, I think she's in one of those situations, though. She's in a Federer situation where he was in a decade ago, where it was like Federer, he can win the French Open if somebody beats Nadal. And I think that was the reality where Federer, I mean, literally, if let's say Nadal never existed, Federer probably would have won nine or 10 French Opens. And I, I think the reality was. No, I he wouldn't have that because I always felt like 
Nadal struggled more on the French Opens with Djokovic than Federer. But put us in perspective. Fed lost and and he won a French Open and he lost in what eight finals? No, it wasn't that many. But he played he played a bunch of a, bunch know, of a lot of those tournaments. They would right. always put Djokovic on the Nadal side of the draw, so Nadal would always have to be Djokovic and Federer. But you got to remember, though, Djokovic, Djokovic wasn't the player that he is now. When when Federer played, lost to Nadal in 04 in the French Open the first time. No, and 05. Is it 05? Okay, 05 yeah. French Open. So, uh, I, I mean, up until like 2011, Djokovic was kind of a clown. I mean, he still is a clown, but... Remember, like, literally, he, he kept... Jared, Djokovic was starting to win majors in, like, 07, 08. You remember Djokovic? Here's, though, he was talented. But, like, you remember every time he lost a set, he would just retire? Every match, like, he got down a set, he would just be like, all right, I'm done. I and, remember when Djokovic had the breathing issues. You remember that? When he couldn't... Yeah. And, and, and so, I, I think it's one of those situations to where it's, it's going to be tough for her to beat Osaka. And I think... Look, I don't think she needs to catch Margaret Court to be considered the, the greatest tennis player, at least on the women's side, or one of the greatest athletes of all time. I think um, her longevity and, and what she's done has been amazing. Obviously, um, I mean, it would be great to catch her. I mean, I, I, I've never, especially on, 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 there's an argument that can be made. I remember when, when Serena's dad said that he thought Steffi Graf was the greatest women's tennis player of all time. And was his favorite women's tennis player. And this is when Serena had somewhere around 12, 13 majors. And I said, like, Grav easily. I mean, that number could be – now, and, and Grav could have had 28, 30 majors. Grav retired with 22 majors, and she was number one in the world when she retired, and she was 31. So is it possible she could have won more? Sure. Uh, but, I, I think that, but I think that argument is. I was going to say because I was going to say, without, but Monica Sellers, with, without that, Monica Sellers, her getting stabbed on the court, then you know the the reality is Graf probably doesn't win that many. So I think when you're just you know on the men's side, I, I, especially when you're in a similar era, I think you can you can start doing the counting game. On the women's side, there's so many variables, and it's really about, in my opinion, who dominated for that long stretch of, of time. And I think Serena already has that. So I think obviously it'd be great for her to get to number 23, but I just don't expect uh, her to be able to beat Osaka. It's going to have to be a, in a draw where somebody else takes her out and she has a clean path. I just wish, I mean, I just think, and this is obviously me talking from the sidelines, but I just wish she would try to play her a little differently. Yeah. Like I, I don't think that sitting on the baseline trying to slap, this is what I call it, you know, hit flat back and forth with Osaka is going to be a winning strategy. Like, she that some slice. Like, yeah. She needs to slice a little bit, mix it up, mix up the pace. I would go high and loopy, come into the net. Like, you just can't – for me, I, I think it's going to be tough for you to just sit there and just lose the same way. It's um, it's almost the 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 – when LeBron and the the sure. Cavs, let, let me finish. When LeBron oh and the Cavs gosh. played played the Warriors, and the the whole <laughs> the whole strategy when you played the Warriors had to be beginning. A lot of people were trying to like play that that style, and they had to start doing like, "Hey, I'm going to grab foul, play physical, play a bigger lineup," because if you're trying to beat them at their strength, it's just not going to happen. And that's the same thing with Osaka. When you look at her, she's just. She she's way faster, way quicker around the court, and she hits a big ball. If you try to slot with her, like you're gonna be at a disadvantage. You gotta be able to change it up. 
Jared, yeah. I, you, you don't think it's funny how you incorporate Deshaun and LeBron and everything? Well, I'm, I'm currently <laughs> watching LeBron play versus the Nets right now. So I, the, the reality is I'm sure that probably had something to do with it. But, to, hey, listen, I, I think of the analogies in, in a similar way. I think the the Osaka matchup is, is you're not going to be able to beat them playing that style. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll okay. be 100% right. honest. So, Jeremy, what, what you, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was, I was just going to say um, – I'm hoping Serena gets to gets another major, but my guess is this is her last year. Um, if I were to take my my guess, I'd say she plays probably through the Olympics, plays the U.S. Open, and then calls it a career. Maybe the year in championship. I don't even know if she plays year in championship. But I'm I'm gonna assume the U.S. Open is gonna be her last tournament um, of her career. Uh, and of I'm 20, 2021. Yeah, you're crazy. Serena no. just got back in shape. She got at least did, another did, years. Did, did, you see, did you see her reaction when she walked off the court yesterday? That was definitely her last match at the Australian Open. Um, I didn't she, see that. What'd she do? She she cried, but I, I don't I don't know if that's well, no, she like basically when she walked out when she walked walked off the court, she basically waving. like put her hand over her heart and was like basically like it looked it looked like she was waving goodbye. That's what most people inferred on it. Um so I, I think this is gonna be her last year. You gotta think about it. she's thirty nine years old. She probably got more stuff she wants to do. She, if she wants to have another kid or something like that, she could I mean it's the timetable is kind of getting out there. So um she I I anticipate this is gonna be her last year. I think her and Venus are gonna retire at the end of this year. Um Venus should retire four years ago, but that's that's another story. No, I mean Venus made a major final like two years ago, so Maybe that's longer than two years ago, but one two. Yeah, as, as long as, and she and Venus is obviously all time great, but like when when you're looking at that age, I mean, you used to retire. People retire at like 32 was old. Like I remember Agassi playing in the finals of a major at 35, being like, "Man, that's unbelievable." And I mean, the fact that she's 39 playing at that high of a level is yeah. unbelievable. The fact the fact that she that is a disappointment when she doesn't win. At thirty nine, she's the exact same age that Jimmy Connors was when they when he made that run and beat everybody in the fifth set after everybody was choking. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I from a all time greatness standpoint, it's hard. I mean, you can't argue anybody from the women's game is an all time you know greater player. Margaret Court was winning and and wasn't even the open era for the majority of the the majors that she won. Um, I would make the argument personally that I don't think she's the greatest tennis player of all time because um, I think Nadal and Federer winning 20 majors while, you know, Djokovic is there. So you've got three, the three Djokovic has 17. major guys all playing together, holding each other from getting majors, that if they played in an era without, um, you know, one or the other, they might have got 30 or 40 majors. So um, I, I, I think that's the argument. But ultimately – I think she's the greatest women player of all time. If you're going to argue anyone else against it, um, my argument would be I think Monica Sellers, without getting stabbed, would have been the greatest player of all time. Um, Monica Sellers had won seven out of nine majors when she and, and was going in to, to try to defend her three consecutive French Opens when, when she got stabbed. And so she had nine majors, and she was only 19 years old. Um, so I think Monica Sellers had, would have had an argument. Um, I don't know if, I was reading up on, I guess, her, her memoir that she wrote, and she was saying, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, she didn't get stabbed that bad. She took two years off of the game. Um, 
after that, and she was saying that she developed like an eating disorder and and basically some depression. Who says it's stuff. not that bad? Like, what? Like, no, it's not that. But she, she the the stab was a quarter inch nick. I think it 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 wasn't a like a uh trip like yeah, from, I, from, a, from an actual damage standpoint physically it wasn't it was something she could have recovered from in a couple of months but i think um, it was something yeah. that she could i think from the 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 way they they described it because i was reading up on it's something she could have recovered from in a week or two like it wasn't like i think it was like a quarter inch nick but still still like the psychologically I don't, psychologically i, don't I agree you all know how yeah, long so. quarter inch is to be stuck in your back not tripping no, 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 I'm, I'm, def- I'm definitely with you. I'm just talking about from. Uh, I'm not trying to say it I wasn't a, a a back cut. I'm just saying from uh, like for example, uh, Kabitaba's cut hand was way worse than than what Monica Sellers took, but she didn't take that on a tennis court. Um, like Kibitaba, I don't know if you guys remember, Kabitaba got was like basically robbed and was yeah. trying to fight off an intruder, and basically cut like he cut like a bunch of ligaments in her hand, and she was out for like a year and a half. Um. But yeah, uh, ultimately, um, from what I saw, I don't think she could beat Osaka on a hard court. Now, I will say this: all of Osaka's majors have come on hard court. She's by far the greatest hard court player alive right now. But she's not been, you know, spectacular on clay. She hasn't been necessarily great at Wimbledon. So um, I think those are Serena's probably best chances to get one. It, it would be ironic if Serena was able to win her her last major. At the one that she hated the most, which is the the French Open, which she, I'm not gonna say she hates the most, but it's her least successful major. So um, I I want to see it happen. To be honest, at this point, I don't want to see her play Indian Wells. I don't want to see her play Miami. She's going to get ready for clay court season. It's, that's, I mean, you gotta get you gotta get a major season, um, ma- major um, mode. So try to get that. If not, hell, do what Federer did a few years ago and just take all this time to play, get ready for uh, grass court season. <laughs> yeah, just play. I, I would tell her to skip. I would tell her to skip the French. She's not. I don't think she's winning the French. I mean, yeah, be, I don't need to, you got to think about it. If, it. if this is in fact her last season, you're probably going to want to play the French Open. Yeah. So um, ultimately, man, regardless, yeah, of what like, you like, like I said, man, shout out to Serena, man. Like yeah. you know, to have a have a kid, especially you know, she didn't have a, a smooth pregnancy at all. And for her to come out and get herself back into shape and, like, you know, at 39 years old is just unbelievable. Yeah. I think it's going to have to be where – I think it's going to have to be special where, you know, maybe, like, a Osaka or Murger's – uh, I can't – Gabrielle Murger? I'm, I'm uh, oh, yeah. Um, Marzaga. Uh, Murger's uh, we're, we're totally butchering her name, but yeah, exactly. so maybe somebody uh, like you know they, they maybe lose early in the in the tournament, and then she can kind of sneak in and uh, maybe play Barty in the finals. You know, <laughs> excuse me, um, but yeah, I think that would be probably kind of the best scenario for Serena at this point. But shout well, out to her, one, shout one out to her team. I, like, I, I, I just want to give you know shout out. You know, obviously we we all play college tennis. We grew up playing um, in the southeast, and you know, experiencing. From a from a local and national level of of playing tennis in this country as a as black kids is, is definitely tough. So I I can't even imagine the stuff they went through. So making it through, being as successful as they are, man. You, I mean, nothing but respect for Serena and Venus. So uh, give them a shout out to them on that, and a, a shout out to uh, to to Jennifer Brady as well. I think she's gonna get destroyed by Naomi in the finals. But um, I remember a couple years ago she she won the Rock Hill uh Rock Hill Open. She was playing that that um. 
she was playing Rock Hill. I watched her play a few years ago, and everybody was talking about how good she was. So I, I believe um, Jermaine is, is 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 who's been working with her. Um, when I talked to uh, to our uh, friend of the show, Jermaine Jenkins, he was he's working for the USTA. He was traveling with some of the players, I believe. Last I spoke to him, uh, he was going to some tournaments with Jennifer Brady. So, um, you know, shout out Jay Jenkins, man. That's what's up. Yep, yep. Oh, last last thing I did want to say, uh, I did l- just look up the Monica Sellis thing where we were talking. Uh, she was stabbed in um, in May of uh, nineteen ninety three, and or April thirtieth of ninety three, and they the doctors said that they thought that she could return by the U.S. Open in 93. Um, and, and, that's, a, that's, that's a bad injury. Three-month injury? Yeah. Like, what, I don't get what we're trying to say. No, no, I'm, I'm saying. Like, I'm saying. Tell somebody how they should recover from being No, stabbed. that's not what I'm saying. What, what we're saying is this. I think the psychological damage, obviously, if, if I got stabbed on a tennis court, like, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable on a tennis court for a long, long time. I'm saying yeah. – Although the stabbing, what from what they said from the stabbing was it was a half inch uh, incision uh, between her left shoulder blade and her spine, a half inch. Yeah, I mean, that, Damon. The only point I was saying was, and and this might make it. Yeah, I think you understand this a little bit better. All I was saying was there are a lot of people who say, well, Monica Sellers came back. She won a major afterwards. Um, so basically, it's hard to say that she would have won more majors. I'm just saying. Just because physically she was able to come back, I don't think mentally she was ever that the same no. per, the same player again after that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure she she wasn't for good reason, right? Yeah, I right. I agree. I'm, that's why that's why I say if I was if I were going to put anybody in the Serena conversation, it would be Monica Sellers because you're talking about somebody who had nine majors at 19 before being stabbed and had won eight out of the previous 11 majors. Yeah, seven out of nine. Yeah, yeah, so eight out of eleven. Yeah. All right, fellas. Well, we touched a lot tonight, man. Um, That's what she said. So, uh, okay. Um, any uh, any final <laughs> thoughts before we get up out of here? Uh, well, yeah. I um, obviously I'm gonna win our golfing um, excursion. So um, I, I will. How many, how many strokes am I giving you? That's what she said. Um, none. And the reality is this: Jerry, two strokes aside, I, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be. You know, we're by the time we get to round three and four, we're gonna have to golf the handicap for the weekend, and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have to give strokes to everybody else. So, um, I mean, it's it is what it is, man. I, I expect a full domination on my end, um, and uh, you guys don't really have a chance. So, good luck. Yeah, um, all, all right, I'm saying is y'all might want to bring a, a bunch of balls just because um, Harbor Harbor Town and uh, Hague Point apparently are. Um, Monsters. <laughs> oh, I, I saw Hague Point. I watched the video. I literally went into my simulator and just hit three woods and four irons for about an hour and a half range session. Just because I was like, yeah, the, yeah. the driver's probably not coming out there. Probably not coming out very often. Mm, right. Already in your head, man. I'm hitting driver all day. <laughs> well, as always, thanks for everybody for tuning in, man. And, uh, you know, kicking in with us tonight as we just talk and ramble on. But, uh, hope you guys are being safe out there. We'll definitely have some content to talk about next week after this golf trip. Uh, so we'll definitely document it. Probably we might go live. Let's we should yes. probably go live. So so make sure your notifications are on on Instagram, Amibros underscore podcast. Um, so we'll see y'all down at the beach, man. We out. <laughs>